Our sermon this morning is our final message in the series on the glory of God. It has been a joy for me to focus our attention on the stupendous subject of God's glory this entire fall season. We have said all along that the glory of God, the best way to understand the glory of God, is first and foremost the sum of his excellencies and his attributes, which are his alone. No one can see God with their two eyes and live. His glory is just too overwhelming. The last few messages we have been tailoring to the Advent season. The astounding proposition of the Old and the New Testament, both of them, is that God himself has come to our rescue in the person of Jesus Christ. Advent season is not in place simply because the early Christians thought that, ah, Jesus, he's better than the rest. The emphasis on Jesus' birth is predicated on the fact that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. Here to do what only God could do for us. Now one of the clearest declarations of this is from Jesus' own lips. John chapter 17. This is called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. We have looked at many verses that talk about the deity of Jesus Christ, but I've saved this one for today. Listen to what Jesus prays. Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence. This is right before the cross. With the glory that I had with you before the world was. It is no secret all throughout God's word that we are told to worship God alone. And yet in this extraordinary passage, Jesus lays claim to the glory that he had alongside with the father before the creation of the world. This is precisely what Philippians 2 is speaking about, that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But for our rescue, he took on the very nature of a, of a man, of a servant, the form of his own creation, a servant, and he would ultimately die on a cruel Roman cross. So this morning in our final message on the glory of God, I take you by way of our title slide to Asia Minor. This one looks a little bit different. These are our dear servants of the Lord, David and Cindy. They have faithfully served the Lord in Asia Minor Minor for 30 years and only recently had to come back to the States due to opposition to, to the gospel in their country. So they are prayerfully considering how they will continue their ministry as God allows. So the aspect of the glory of God that we are going to examine this morning is absolutely crucial for us to understand. It is the outflow of what we celebrate during Advent. 
Last week, we addressed the question, why did Jesus come? What was the purpose? Why did he come? We saw from scripture that he came to rescue and to save us from our sins. The glory of God is on full display in our salvation. God's holiness, his justice, his righteousness is upheld at the same time that his mercy and his kindness and his love and his grace are extended freely to us. The end goal of our salvation is the glory of God. We've seen before that heaven or eternity for the saints is literally referred to in the Bible as glory. We're going to heaven. We're going to glory. The New Testament says that God has called us to his own glory and that we will enjoy him forever. But now there's an important aspect of our salvation that we need to address this morning. We are saved from our sins, but we're not yet in glory. Anything but. We are in that difficult and challenging part of our journey, and we call it sanctification. It is difficult and challenging, but it's just for a moment in light of eternity. Heaven is our home. That's where our citizenship is. But we are not there yet. We are seeking to grow in Christ, to be mature believers. We know that God is at work in us. Oh, but we face so many challenges along the way. There are so many blessings in life, but we know there is loss, there is grief, there is conflict, there is persecution, there's mental illness, there's physical diseases, there's dash dreams, and the list goes on. So this morning's message is entitled, Letter to a Weary Christian. In the midst of all the spiritual and cultural traditions and the merriment of this season, we know full well that there are so many people who do not feel that they can enter into that. Their hearts are so heavy, so much on our minds, lots of stress, struggling with sin. Let's take a look at these. Have you ever asked yourself, why do I struggle with the same sin that I I was five years ago? These doubts that persist? These things that happen to us? I can't move past it. I feel stuck. There's grief. That never leaves us. There's dash dreams, and this is just the short list. But look at 1 John 4, 7. As we look at our lives, we see the footprint of God in us. We see his work in us. 
for example, our love for other people. But the truth is, we haven't seen that in a while. We haven't felt it for a while. We thought we'd be further along by now. We thought we'd be over certain things. But we're not. And the truth is the activities and the additional work of the holiday season can in some cases and in a very profound way amplify the burdens that we carry throughout the year. It's often felt more deeply this time of year versus the 11 months. So my friend, this morning I want to highlight a verse that I submit to you should be every Christian's best friend. We have a choice every single day. We will live by the riptide of our emotions or we will found and establish our thinking and therefore how we feel on the unchanging and the glorious truth of God's word. So I invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is a verse that I hope you will become well acquainted to with and visit over and over again. Second Corinthians chapter 3. We'll pick it up in verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. It's the deity of the Holy Spirit. The personhood. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Not legalism. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is a profound statement. There's a contrast. Remember, Moses went up to the mountain and his face was veiled because he was communing with the Lord. And Paul says, that's not the case with us. That curtain has been torn in half. We have direct access to God. Fellow saints, note the very specific language that the scripture uses here. The description of God's work in our life to grow and mature us is put in the context of God's glory. But in this time, when we question We question our own worth. We get frustrated with our seemingly lack, our seeming lack of growth. When we wonder why we're still struggling with the same old sin. 
where God seems far away, let me give you this encouragement. The truth of the matter is, my fellow Christian, God is transforming you and me. From one degree of glory to another. Literally in the Greek, it says from glory to glory. Until that day when you see Jesus face to face. And you are fully and finally and forever transformed into his wonderful likeness. That's why Erica read the verse this morning from Philippians chapter 1. Notice the use of the word glory over and over and over again. So let's break this down into three very specific ways. First of all, please note that as you read that verse, this is God's work. The sooner you and I come to this realization that it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure, the sooner your heart and your mind will be put to rest. We often carry a tremendous burden when we consider it to be our job to make all of this happen. And while it is, of course, true that we are called to walk in obedience, we must never forget that salvation is God's work. Friend, we can can rest in God's acceptance of us. We can rest in his love for us. And we can rest knowing that he takes great pleasure in us. When Jesus asked if this cup of suffering could be removed from him, do you think he only saw some of your sin? Do you think he only saw a part of your heartache? You see, when we come to that simple understanding... That God fully accepts us in Christ. That's when we completely get the gospel. We're growing in our knowledge and understanding of it. It's when grace, that is when grace becomes increasingly alive to us. We didn't just get in by grace. We walked by grace. And we see the scandal, as some have said, the scandal of grace and the cross. That all of my sins were placed on Jesus. But it gets better. When we walk in this confidence, when we fully and or better understand the extent of the gospel in our lives, we truly become good news to people around us. We can't help it. Because we're so overcome by God's love for us, by his grace in our life. Well, we just want to pour that over into the people around us. So let me show you a verse that really helps bring this concept out. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
Second Thessalonians chapter two. Verse 14, speaking of the gospel, being saved, changing us, sanctifying us, he says, to this, God has called you through our gospel. It's all through the gospel. So that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see how the glory of the Lord and the gospel is just intertwined all throughout the New Testament? So then, brothers, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. These themes, they just pop out all throughout the New Testament. God is the one who called us and not the other way around. And what is it that God has called us to in the gospel? The glory of Christ, the same glory that Jesus shared with the Father before the world was, that's what God has called us to. And we are to hold fast to the teachings of the apostles. What we have in God's word is sufficient for us to grow in the Lord and to walk with him. Second point this morning. I want you to see, going back to our original verse, 2 Corinthians 3, that God is faithful. We're trusting him, not ourselves. Remember it says that the Spirit is transforming us to be made more like Jesus. God is the one who is at work in us from glory to glory. You see, every development that God makes in us is glorious because he, in the good times, but usually in the hard times, he is making us more like Christ. From glory to glory, we're becoming a little bit more like Christ. Every transformation, little and big, that God makes in us, he is faithful to finish the work that he began in us. We are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, friend, that is happening whether you feel like it or not. It's the truth. Which is why I direct us always to the word of God, because we want to stand on the truth of God's word, not our shifting feelings. Whether you feel you are doing a good job or not, whether your day is going well or not, or this season that you're in, my fellow saint, you are loved unconditionally. You are accepted by God. You have been adopted into his forever family. There is and will always be a seat for you at the table. Look at these faith-drenched words. After much suffering, Paul said this, in 2 Corinthians 2nd Thess- uh, Timothy 
chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4. Verse 18. This is at the end of his life, Paul's life. One of his last letters. And he's talking about the martyr's death that he's about to die. He said, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Paul's life was not an easy one when he became a Christian. But what Paul is doing is he's looking at the faithfulness of God. He's speaking specifically of persecutions. But scripture, Peter especially, talks about grief of all different kinds. He says, all of the difficulties that I pass through in life, I know this. That God will bring me to his heavenly kingdom. And that's why we give him the glory. Paul made it a point to serve God faithfully, but he entrusted his eternity to God's faithfulness. He knew that God would keep his promise. He knew that God would bring him safely to heaven. All of the suffering was worth it. And this is worth our consideration as we consider that as believers in Christ, we are certainly going against the flow of cultural ideology today. And we know that living in this sin-cursed world, we face difficulties and challenges that are so hard to walk through at times. Our third point, connected to what we just said, is this. God is faithful. And he does his work step by step in the right direction. Little by little. We know the end point. But little by little, God is faithfully moving us in the right direction. This is so important for us to remember. When we became a Christian, we did not immediately become a perfect person. We are called to put to death the things of our past. But as God is transforming us, that process can feel slow and painful at times. We certainly, I'll say this about myself personally, through my own stupidity, we can hold things up. But God faithfully and lovingly moves us forward. Even through great seasons of doubt and wandering and even sin, God is patient and God will never let us go. I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 14, if you would. Acts chapter 14. I want to highlight how these truths are presented and seen in the lives of the early Christians. 
Acts chapter 14. This is Paul and his friends, verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many difficulties or many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Notice what we see throughout these verses. We enter the kingdom of God. That is when we get to our final destination. But before we get to our final destination, we pass through many, many difficulties and many challenges. I know many of you would say, yes, that defines my life right now. But notice the care and the intentionality that they had in going to other churches to encourage the disciples. They made it their point to travel, to visit churches, cities, so that they could encourage the disciples. Notice what it says. To stay true to the faith. Do not think for one moment that your enemy will leave you alone as you walk with the Lord. They were so careful to do all of this according to God's plan. They appointed elders, plural, in each church. And they took their responsibilities seriously. They entered into this ministry through fasting and praying for the saints. I know that spiritual warfare rages all around us. I know that there are many difficulties that we face. And it would be easy on a human level to depart from the faith. Say, I'm done. But notice how intentional the leaders were of fasting and praying for and encouraging the saints. Let's look at that verse one more time, the highlighted part. He says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We've said it many, many times before. The prosperity gospel, as we call it, is a lie. It's a fake. It's not the real gospel. We must pass through many hardships to get to his kingdom. Don't forget that and don't let that go. As I said, the title of today's message is Letter to a Weary Christian. We've spent months digging into and rehearsing the glory of God. We've examined his excellencies, God's attributes that are his alone. Our great salvation could not be contrived in the, in the mind of man. One of my favorite aspects of the birth of Christ is all the specific Bible prophecies that were fulfilled in his coming. All of the prophecies that were fulfilled both in his coming and in his ministry. Fellow sojourner, I know that the weight of life is heavy. 
But I also know this. As the scripture says, the weight of God's glory is greater. If you find yourself unable to enter into the joy of the advent this season, may I, as your brother in Christ, point you to the matchless glory of God. Park your mind there. The glory of God as it is seen in the advent of Christ, as we have discussed the glory of God and as we have seen it in the gospel, the glory of God as seen in the cross, that old rugged cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. May I impress upon you the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He did it all for you at the cross. He not only bore your sins, but he became sin on your behalf, that you might become the righteousness of God in him. We live in this season of life where we have not fully recognized all the promises of God, but they're coming. That time is coming. My friend, if you find yourself dejected and discouraged this morning, may I gently point you to the promises of God on your behalf, the excellencies and the attributes of God. He will never, ever, ever fail you. May I specifically point you to the promises and the principles in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, that we read at the beginning. Wherever, whatever place you are in, I want to encourage you to write your own letter to a weary Christian. Take the truths that we've looked at for the last three months. If you are not a weary Christian at the moment... I guarantee you, you know someone who is a weary Christian. Take the truths that we have been studying and put them in a form of a letter. Perhaps so you can encourage your own soul. But also so you can encourage those around you. Let's close with this one verse, 1 Peter chapter 5. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the substance of the gospel. This is the God that we serve and the God that we trust. The one who can rightfully say about our current sufferings that they are but for a little while because he always has eternal perspective. God has called you to himself. He has called you to his eternal glory. And he is the God of all grace. He will help and support you 
and finally and fully restore and establish you. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We know that even though we feel a certain way, that your truth is the truth about us. Help us to encourage one another. Help us to support one another with these truths. We were never intended to do this alone. Oh, Father, I pray that you would shine your joy in our hearts as we reflect upon and meditate upon and study and think about and read your word that we would be greatly encouraged. Thank you for the simplicity and the power of the gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We always pray that if there is but one person who has not put their faith and their confidence, their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.